0: Welcome to the Third City Christian Church podcast. This week's message is Our Not-So-Perfect Family Part 3, Discipline, recorded Sunday, September 17th, 2023. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. We're looking at the real, but we also know that God does have an ideal for our lives. Uh, As long as sin's in the world, we're gonna struggle with that but we're supposed to struggle, we're supposed to. A couple weeks ago on September 4th, we talked about how there's this challenge of, of parenting that it's never too late. It's never too late to leave a positive family legacy. And for some of you, your best work will be done in the twilight years of your life. But for the majority of you, you're probably even much younger than that and still feel like, You've made so many mistakes that there's no recovery. Well, I assure you, it's never too late if you'll do the right thing. And then last week, we talked about the goal of smart parenting. And smart parenting, the goal is that I want my children to become God's children. Like, that's the real, the only goal. I'm, the, I'm holding a bow that he puts in my hand, and there's a target. And the target is that that arrow, that child, hits the target of being his child, And so that was last week. This week, I want to challenge you to embrace the biblical concept of discipline. That's a fun word, isn't it? Discipline in your personal life and parenting. And let's be real. If it weren't for sin, we wouldn't have to talk about discipline because we'd be living lives of self-discipline without encumbrance, and we wouldn't have to remind other people of how to live their lives without sin. But that's not the world we live in. You know, I kind of like Jim Gaffigan in terms of the fact that he has a bunch of kids and he has good humor about it. And uh, he says, there's something called child physics. Children have a tendency to behave as poorly as the most poorly behaved child in the room. (laughs) The law of physics dictates that if there's a kid screaming and running in the hallway of the hotel, all other children will scream and run in the hallway of the hotel. He's right, he's right. And then he says, toddler judgment is horrible. They don't have any. You put a 12-month-old on a bed, they'll immediately try to crawl off head first like a lemming on a mindless migration mission. But the toddler mission is never mindless. They have two goals. Find poison and seek something to destroy. Any toddler parents in the room? Is that wrong? No, no. That's why among other reasons. We need to be disciplined, and we need to promote discipline. We need to give it. We need to teach it, because as you know, discipline is a much broader concept than something that parents just do for their children. As a matter of fact, if you try to discipline your children and you're undisciplined, it's not going to go very well. Proverbs chapter 12, 1 says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. That's Proverbs humor. It's not so funny though, is it? Now these are principles I'm going to share with you today. There's six of them. They apply to people in every aspect of self-discipline. They apply to Christ followers from the aspect of our spiritual discipline. And they also apply to parents wanting to love their children through developmental discipline. Jordan Peterson is a psychologist, and he speaks and writes about the topic of discipline pretty extensively. He writes this, it's the wrong idea if you think that you have wonderful freedom as a child, and it's slowly given up as you mature in life. Like, and I think sometimes we think that, like when I was a child, I was free. Remember, do you really remember what childhood was like? It was like years and years of people saying, hey, you got to live this way but you forget that. Here's what he says. The truth is that you have a great deal of potential in life, but none of that potential is manifested as freedom if you are undisciplined. Discipline is a matter of being in a position of order. Order is necessary, especially in people who are lost, helpless, and nihilistic. And many people are hopeless and nihilistic. nihilism is the belief that life is meaningless, there is no God, and uh, you're just going to live and die, and that's it, that's nihilism. And many people are that way. Many people are hopeless. Way more people than you think, he says, because no one has encouraged them. Lay a state of discipline on yourself and get yourself in check, and then you can live in a state of freedom. And I like this quote. All of the virtues that we should live by, virtually every freedom in life is purchased by the price of discipline. I think he's right. I do. I believe that. Because there's this parenting myth. The parenting myth is my kids will feel secure if they think I'm their buddy. And the reality is this. Your kids will feel most secure if they know that you have set boundaries for them and, and you are not afraid to enforce them. So six principles of biblical discipline. Personal discipline, discipline in my family and how I relate to my children, and spiritual discipline, okay? Chapter 12, verse 1, Hebrews. It's, it's a great passage on many things. I'm going to focus on discipline. Hebrews 12:1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders And the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author, the pioneer, and perfecter of our faith. Listen, for the joy set before him, he, in self discipline, endured the cross, scorning its shame. Set down at the right hand of the throne of God, that's his reward. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and use, lose heart. As with everything in our life, everything begins with how we are living. Everything we do in life begins with how we're living, what we're aiming for in life. Are we disciplined? Are we subjecting ourselves to the order that will give us success? Does our life have the right purpose? And most importantly, are we following the one who wrote the book on self-discipline, and that is Jesus. Six principles to live by modeled by Jesus Christ, the one who joyfully endured the pain of the cross to love us. Here's the first principle discipline deters destruction. It deters destruction. Back to verse 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. What does that mean? Let me give some context here. In chapter 10 of Hebrews, two chapters before this one, he, he ends that chapter with a, he or whoever wrote Hebrews, ends with a strong warning of encouragement. And he says, first of all, Don't shrink back from God's will in your life, God's discipline, because if you do, you're going to be destroyed. So that's the warning. Don't let yourself get destroyed because you give up. But then he also gives a a note of hope. He says, if you will persevere, you will receive all that God promises. Then in chapter 11, he he lists a whole bunch of people from, from, from their experience in history who who were able to endure very hard things and not give up. So they, they all shed their blood for their faith, every one of them, okay? So the context of verse four that I just read is the idea that haphazard living leads to destruction. And here's the message. Discipline in your life, correctly applied to your life or your kids, will ward off destruction potential destruction it's a, it's a preemptive measure for parenting and i think there's a pretty simple illustration of that that most of us can can relate to it's teaching your child to drive any of you doing that right now just if anybody you might want to listen okay i'm just saying, like here's what i would not suggest you do I hope, you won't, I hope no one has done this or ever will consider it. Here, kid, here's the keys. Figure it out. I hope it works out for you. Please don't do that to the rest of us. There will be death, okay? Don't do that, okay? Action needs to be taken, and you need to be preemptive, okay? You've got to say things like, that's not the right direction. I don't care what they say. They think they know everything about driving a car when they're 15, don't they? They think they know it all. You can't be afraid to grab the steering wheel and do this. You can't be afraid to break their foot on a brake if you're gonna run into a Walmart cart or something, okay? You gotta be preemptive. Now some of us, we won't do that because we don't wanna make our kids mad. And because for a long time, they've been in control of our lives, they're going to stick their lip out and say, I don't love you anymore. And that's, a, that's, a, that's definitely a real thing. My, I, I, you know, when that's happened to me, my first thought really is probably, oh, I want my kids to love me, so I got you know, to back off. I, I don't want to hurt their feelings. That's a lot of power to give to a five-year-old, <laughs> Okay. I mean, a better response when your kid says something like that is just to say, you might not love me, and maybe I don't love you right now. But we're going to do this anyway because the future is at stake for you. You know? I like how Henry Cloud puts it. We change our behavior when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. Consequences give us the pain that motivates us to change. So discipline deters destruction. Here's a second principle of discipline. It's motivated by encouragement. Look at chapter 12, 5 in Hebrews. Have you completely forgotten his word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? So now he's talking about God, you, self-discipline, getting that discipline, God reminding you that you need to live a life of order, but he's using the illustration of a parent and a child. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Like there's something around behind it. It's like you care. I mean, even if it's painful, it's an expression of encouragement because you want them to grow. And discipline always seeks the best interest of the growth of the person. And in this case, the child. A mature parent can withstand the anger of a child. And and can say things like, I know you don't love me right now. But that doesn't matter. You need to do this. It's for your benefit. You probably, maybe will love me in a few years. I know it hurts temporarily, but... You compromise your child's welfare if you're afraid to lose their love when you're not willing to take the moment and do what's right. You know, there's something about God's discipline in our life. It combines both words and actions. Words and actions. In this passage, he quotes from Proverbs where it says, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you. That's a quote there are two different Hebrew words that are used for this, yasar, which means discipline. That involves God's actions, God's action of discipline. And then there's yakah. I think that's As Brendan. Yakah, which means rebuke, which refers to God's words. So God's words and his actions. And what Hebrews 12 is saying is don't make light of God's actions and his words in our lives and and, and, and and take them to heart because it's encouraging for the right things. And parents, that's what we do. You know, it, it's actions and it's words. And here's where so many of us have failed. We got a lot of words and then we don't stand behind the words in action. Like think about this. You're driving down the road, you're taking your kid's somewhere, let's just say they're 12, I don't know, and uh, one of them's 12, and, then, and they have a friend with them who's also 12, and you're, you're listening in from the driving, driver's seat or from the passenger seat, whatever, and you hear them talking in the back seat, and, you're, and you're, your child's friend says something like, yeah, I'm grounded, I'm grounded, and your kid says, well, how long are you grounded for? Oh, for two weeks. That means it'll be three days. What's behind that? I mean, it, it be, what be what's behind that is a parent that doesn't follow through with actions you got to be strong in this because you're the parent warnings have consequences you know you got to help them stay on track because i like this quote i don't know who said this but i like it truth without grace is pretending grace without truth is permissiveness the highway to hell is full of pretenders and permission that's pretty strong and it's true but if you have a healthy blend of grace and truth, you know, Scripture says this about Jesus. He came full of grace and truth. We follow his example. He tells the truth. He tells the truth, and he example, the example of Christ is truth, but he, his words are full of grace. That's what we're aiming for. Discipline deters destruction, is motivated by encouragement, and similarly, the third principle, discipline expresses itself in love. Love. Let's see what verse 7 says. It says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of Spirits and live? So here's the deal. You're sitting in a, we have counselors in our room today have probably done things like this. You're sitting in a room at a correctional facility full of juvenile delinquents. And you're the counselor and you're going around the circle. And you're asking questions like, how do you know if your parents love you? And virtually every one of them, if they're honest, will say, I know my parents did not love me the way I needed because they didn't correct me. They didn't warn me. We had a lack of discipline I think we often think that we're expressing love when we say things like, well, I'll give you another chance. Don't do that again. Don't do that again. Don't do that again. And we don't have anything to back it up. We have no boundaries. So if they do that again, there's some kind of a consequence that they have to deal with by their choice. You're the boundary setter. One of the most important ways we love our kids is to be consistent with our boundaries that's encouraging and at the same time it's loving uh, but we don't see it that way because our kids are always trying to make us believe it's not like they're like what's wrong with you how can you keep doing this to me why don't you let me do this and then they they just wear us down friends uh, try to listen to them sometime when they're when, when when you when they can't you know when they don't know you're there when they're talking to others about you and your discipline In in a loving way, I gotta be firm. I gotta stand for something in my in my parenting. I don't cave. I I let them down if I wear down. I gotta stand strong. I gotta be the parent. And uh, I'm preaching to the choir. I know, but you know that that's true. Here's another thing: discipline deters destruction. It's motivated by encouragement. It expresses love. The fourth principle is discipline teaches, listen, right on right. Right on right. Let me explain that. Verse 9 says, Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? Uh, Ray Romano, comedians have a lot to say about discipline. I don't know how good they are at it, but Ray Romano says this, having children is like living in a frat house. Nobody sleeps, everything is broken, and there's a lot of throwing up going on. Does that sound like you got toddlers? Does that sound like you? Is that your life? Okay. Okay. Because, look, when we teach our children, we're teaching them to do the right thing for the right reason. The right thing, that's one part of it, for the right reason. That's what sometimes we forget about. Why am I teaching you this? It's the right thing to do. Here's the reason. Right on right. Because Proverbs 22 says this about your child. Folly is bound up in the heart of your child. But the rod of discipline will drive it far away. So you have to be committed and 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 it means that you, you teach them the right thing for the right reason. So it becomes internal. So it becomes a part of their personality so that when they're 16 or 17 or 18, they know how to address another adult who's a stranger that you introduce them to instead of just picking up their cell phone and walking away like that person doesn't exist because you're teaching them to do the right thing, which is to be polite to a human being for the right reason because that's a person that God created and they deserve your respect. That's just one example of many how they speak, how they act toward people. You teach that right on right. One example. Discipline deters destruction. It's motivated by encouragement. It expresses love. It teaches right on right. Here's the fifth principle. It's a catch-22 that I'm going to have to work through. That There's short-term pain when I discipline, but there's long-term gain. Here's how he says it. They, our fathers, disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God, he disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. It's painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. The reason Friends, the reason we don't like to continually discipline our kids is because we can't bear the pain. It's not about the kid. We're sympathetic to their feelings. We we don't enjoy hurting them. That's the truth. But the pain is usually our pain. Because we don't like the unpleasanties of of saying over and over and over and over and over again to a two-year-old, to a three-year-old, to a five-year-old. No, 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 no. We don't like that. And we get tired of it. And they wear us out. They do. They're, They're experts at that. Here's the sixth principle. Discipline perseveres. It perseveres. Therefore, verse 12, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees, moms of three-year-olds. Strengthen your, your feeble arms and, and weak knees, dads of 12-year-old daughters. Make level paths for your feet so that you can lead them on a level path so that they, so that they will not be disabled in life but rather healed. This is a powerful passage, powerful. I have to remind myself when my child needs discipline, I'm the one, and they're going to reap consequences on the path of life if I don't lead them and have level paths. And and by the way, I want to remind you of something when your kids are misbehaving. It's not you that did that. It's not your failure that brought them to that moment. Your child's disobedience is produced from a feeble heart that you were trying to help them correct. So you have to have courage. It's for their good. Now, will my kids come back later, you know, when you're a parent and you're 50 years old, 55, and say, oh, dad, you are just the best dad in the world because you disciplined me and I I don't think you're ever going to hear that. Well, you might, but what you might see, though, is a human being who was shaped to respect other human beings, to make pretty good decisions in life, to have a purpose that moves them toward God in their life, because the ultimate goal of parenting is to do what? To make them God's kids. To make them God's kid. So, are you willing to love yourself and your child enough to use discipline? Discipline that deters destruction, that is motivated by encouragement, that expresses love, that teaches right on right, that encourages them to do the right thing for the right reason, and is willing to endure the short-term pain in lieu of a long-term awesome gain? Are you willing to do that? The bottom line is this. With God's help, I will choose what I want most over what I want now. That's what discipline requires. You know, there's no one that better teaches us about this life then the perfect one, Jesus, who ordered his life in perfect self-discipline. That's not you, that's not me, but that is him. We follow him. Remember what Hebrews 12, 2 and 3 says? It says, we fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him. He, in self-discipline, took the cross on, scorned its shame. And now he's reaping the rewards of that because he's seated at the right hand of God and he has his children that are loving him home. That's Jesus. Let's pray. It took all the endurance you could muster, Lord. Scripture says that. Even at the very end of your life as you were struggling with the cross. You you sweat blood with the agony of that decision, and you were set up for it your whole life. You knew that. And you were willing to step in and take our shame on your shoulders, and you marched resolutely to that cross. As an arrow is shot toward a target, God pulled the bow back, and he let the arrow release, and you are that arrow, and you hit the mark because we couldn't. By that cross, you endured that. It's unfathomable to us that anyone could do that. Such great opposition from sinners, of which I am one of them. We worship Jesus, who sits at the right hand of God. He believed it would be worth it to take our short-term pain for the long-term gain. And Lord, we are happy to be a part of the gain. As we commune today, we remember and rejoice in that. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I was just uh, in the back. I was thinking about some t- a time in my life where it was one of the hardest experiences of my life from the standpoint of my own decision-making and what it meant, like how, how it affected me. And it really did feel like God's pressure was directly on me, his pressure of discipline. And at the time, it was not pleasant. But I look back on that time, and I think, oh my goodness, it's one of the greatest encounters that I had with God in my life, because he's good. I'm loved by him. It's who he is, and he would never waste his discipline on a son that he didn't love, you know? So if you're in one of those times right now, you're experiencing some, something heavy in your life and you know maybe God's saying to you, listen, son, listen, daughter, I love you. Please see that, change that. I'm with you in it. I'm encouraging you to make a difference. That's why this topic's important. It's important because we're willing to admit that we're not perfect, but God is. I'm not perfect as a parent, so I need all the help I can get. God wants me to raise my kids to be his kids. That's my only goal in life as a parent, to raise my kids to be his kids. I like how Dr. Louise Hart puts it. If we don't shape our kids, they will be shaped by outside forces that don't care what shape our kids are in. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 1015, or 11, 30 a.m. in Grand Island and at ten fifteen a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.